0: The entrepreneurial journey podcast. We're talking business and building a culture that's kick-ass where we make it happen. Grab your seat. Let's have a
1: blast at the entrepreneurial journey podcast. Hello and welcome to the entrepreneurial journey podcast. I have Alex Holt with me today. Hello, Alex. How are you?
0: I'm very well thanks Rebecca and you know do you mind if we start that one again because um for, for work purposes I'm an Alexander.
1: Oh okay well let's say. I thought
0: for, hey. the, for the informality of the course the, the wonderful NLP course we did. I thought Alex fine. That was amongst right. friends.
1: Hello Alexander Holt and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. How are you today?
0: Uh, Very well. Thanks, Rebecca. And it's always lovely to uh, share a space with you, be that online or on the phone or in room as we have recently.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, And you do know I'm not going to edit the first bit out, don't you?
0: I know that. Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the, the purpose of the podcast is to help entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, really feel that they're not alone and to learn from other people's experiences and that's one of the reasons I don't edit it actually unless somebody makes a major major faux pas because we can't go back and edit out the stuff that we wish we hadn't done whilst we've been growing our careers or businesses or whatever and um, so unless it's completely heinous <laughs> it stays in so <laughs> it's staying in Alex Right. So Great. tell me about what you do right now. What's your job title?
0: So I work for the Scottish Government, which I have been doing for the past nine years. Can't believe that on my entrepreneurial mm-hmm. journey, would never have thought that. Uh, and I, my current role is within the Economic uh, Development Division, a uh, directory. Okay. So uh, all around looking about the entrepreneurship within... You know policy and how do we create more Scottish entrepreneurs very simplistically
1: cool which I like I think to have uh, a bit of the government that's involved in encouraging entrepreneurs is encouraging in and of itself um how on earth did you end up doing that
0: well it was a uh, my my journey has been a random one at the best of times and I would say it's um, I've never had a a career but more of a portfolio of interesting experiences and the past four years has really focused on looking at kind of international innovation so rewind to 2015 and uh, I was asked by my director to look at engagement of tech and academia by the government and this led me to explore all the ways that sort of government does and doesn't interact well, and of course the usual bugbears around procurement and and you know working with government always came up. So and particularly around from smaller businesses. So there started a journey about redefining how government worked with smaller businesses,
1: okay. uh,
0: particularly through the procurement. Uh, methodologies so we set up an innovation program which i can uh, tell more about uh,
1: in a second all right what did you do before then
0: so before then i so i'd been in i joined the scottish government in 2014 as a contractor okay uh having moved back up to edinburgh from london where i'd been for eight and a half years so in london i'd run my own digital agency for six and a half mm-hmm. years did bring super shiny web apps for all sorts of brands and agencies And then worked for my chairman for a couple of years after that and then moved back up to to Scotland, which is where home is.
1: Okay, so a lot of business owners will be delighted that a real entrepreneur is talking to the Scottish government about entrepreneurship.
0: Yes. (laughs) And I think this is one of the things is that actually I've lived it. I've known the highs and lows. I know what it's like. Uh, in terms of, you know, developing a proposition, winning business, paying the bills, making sure it's not just your mortgage, but everyone else's mortgages you're looking after. you know And so I know the worries about payroll, uh, winning business, growing brands. Um, and so deploying that methodology and mindset within government was has uh, to a large part um, given me the success I have in terms of the innovation programs that I've set up and delivered.
1: Yeah, now there's one in particular, an innovation program that has gone global, hasn't it?
0: So we set up CivTech mm. in 2016. Uh, in fact, in the autumn of 2015, we mapped out this whole idea about really how you redefined the procurement processes. So for those who are familiar with um, going to a large organization or a public sector uh, company, uh, a public sector organization with a, a, as part of a procurement, they'll know the um, I'll be careful what I say but the challenges around <laughs> filling in all sorts of uh, necessary documentation. And that's great if it's a big uh, expensive tender. But yeah. if it's smaller, then there's different type of proportionality that should be applied. And having spent the previous year working on tech procurements, it gave me an insight as to actually what was what was a, a better route to, to do things, or rather, what were some of the problems we'd encounter? And if you had your small business hat on, how could you improve those? And I think part of it was that, and we're going back nine years, so mm-hmm. a lot of it has changed. Mm-hmm. But when you're writing specifications, which are immediately out of date because technology has moved so quickly, and because technology does move so quickly, how do you procure what you don't know exists?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so you need to adopt a completely different approach, which was one uh, of understanding and articulating the problem. So rather than saying, hey, we want something that does X, Y, and Z, Actually, the problem we're trying to solve is ABC. Ah. And so that completely changes how you approach the market, who you get to solve your problem, win the business, and therefore what government levers as a hey, a great blue chip reference client can do to help support and grow small businesses with innovative exportable technologies. And so this was kind of the premise. We had a number of hypotheses around. this. And in um, late 2015, early 2016, we set up uh, the CivTech program. So this okay. was a model by which you set challenges. And that approach has been, been around since 1714 when the British government tried to solve the, the, the Longitude Prize. Um, but then you adopted challenge-based processes with, other private sector tools such as accelerator programs? so you can marry these two approaches and it was it, that approach was essentially well the first govtech program in Europe, arguably the first digital public services accelerator in the world. Um, and that methodology was then replicated by other governments or tweaked or so uh, but it certainly came became the the inspiration for a number of programs around the world in, in terms of South America, all across Europe and Australia. So, so it's really interesting what happens when you apply an entrepreneurial mindset, mm.
1: you
0: know, persistence, resilience, urgency, and deploy that within a public sector, which is often not operating at that same sort of speed and mentality. And that's not a bad thing. They're just different. Hmm. Uh, but when you're working to the needs of smaller businesses, which need to you know, be paid quickly, operate quickly, it's a different type of way of working. And so having empathy for small businesses, was one of the key reasons we were able to deliver the program we did.
1: I love the fact that it's gone around the world. How did you promote it? Or did people come and find you?
0: It was more that people came and found us okay. in the first instance. So we launched in twenty sixteen, had a number of challenges and, and a really good team as part of it. Uh, all of whom had either built, sold, or crashed that company. So you know mm-hmm. we, we had we had a, a very multidisciplinary team of consultants, contractors, uh, some uh, public servants, and developing this rapidly. Uh, I mean it took one hundred and 46 meetings over six months to get it off the ground between wow. January to June 2016. Uh, but we got the results quite quickly and that meant, all oh, right, we're, we're onto something here. And so within the, the, just after the first cycle, we started having inquiries from other governments around um, how to do this. And, and particularly, I think back to 2017 when we had Gavin Jennings, the Special Minister of State, in Victoria state in Australia, concluding his two week tour of Europe with two days in Scotland and saying, you know, actually everything we've seen, we're doing already, except this.
1: Oh, wow. Could
0: you come out? Can you come out and um, speak to our teams? So in the September, 2017, I went out to um, Melbourne and Victoria state and had a chat with their finance and procurement teams and exactly a year later, They set up civic labs. Uh, So, you know, you can see the stuff emanating, start off in Norway, GovTech Lab, Lithuania, GovTech Polska, um, lots of lots of places.
1: And has this methodology been applied to procurement outside of technology?
0: Yes, so it's interesting. So we started in digital technology, but Mm. it's gone wider. Uh, And I ran the program for the first four years, so up until 2019, and then focused on. Uh, the international network, but the the what we found was that the whole notion of articulating a problem, mm. going out to really talented innovators and saying how would you use your technology to solve this, or well, we had a, a classic case for the fourth round of um, Civtech, which was looking at tree seed supply. So you think something about as undigital yeah. as you can get, and the um, the the we were working with the um, kind of the forestry was well, then the former Forestry Commission now um, for uh, Forestry in Land Scotland, and they were presenting us with this non digital problem. We thought, hang on, we can apply the same methodology. And the outcome of that was that one of the six solutions that we, we took through uh, ended up adapting a piece of seed planting technology that moved from being able to plant 60,000 trees in a day to 1.2 million trees
1: in a day. No.
0: And so you were sort of like, wow. Yeah. They, and, and this also then came to fruition just when covid was taking off so there are all sorts of limitations around confined spaces of how you actually um plant trees so this was a huge step and proved the methodology in a kind of non-digital way but it's still innovation
1: so it's
0: innovation in the broader sense Um, so uh, yeah it's about the application of a a methodology
1: i love that and um it's a long time since i've done a public sector tender cuz um we're, we're very small and we don't have an environmental policy or an anti-slavery policy um i am against it obviously the slavery bit not the environmental bit um but um yeah it, is it easier now for services to tender in the it's mu- it's
0: it's much easier okay. and in part so the, 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 the there was a recognition that the SME base is the lion's share of mm-hmm. our economy. Mm-hmm. And how can the public sector, which has such a chunky procurement budget, support that sector? You know, And it's not just the direct suppliers, it's kind of the supply chain as well. Yeah. And for that, you've got to look at, well, how do you make things easier for people to work? So do you really need three years worth of accounts? Or actually, could you just be a new company Mm. that's bringing a team together to solve a particular problem? Could you, um, you know, what is the size of the application we really need to put together to define whether, um, uh, you know, whether a a company is, is, you know, worth or, or right for working with the public sector? And so you've simplified. We've simplified over the years, or a number of the routes to come into government, um, and so uh, so it's much easier for companies to get involved.
1: Good, good. I'm pleased to hear it. And is this just in Scotland, or is this across England, Wales, and Northern Ireland?
0: Across the UK, absolutely. Right. So so you have uh, UK-wide um, government procurement services. You also have Scotland and devolved nations-specific uh, procurement services. So all procurements in the public sector for Scotland are put through something called Public Contracts Scotland, okay. uh, And but then you can look wider at um, things like G-Cloud for the UK government, um, or DOS, which is Digital Outcomes and Services.
1: Cool. So
0: there are lots of avenues now for smaller businesses to engage with the kind of public sector
1: oh hooray
0: <laughs> and then actually I have to say i see what the Scottish want really good at is is if you're kind of in the system and go through the right way the payments are very quick
1: ah. so
0: there is a pay within 10 days um uh, for the most count m- most part so it's very rapid um, payment uh, system and where that's not happened then there's something's just got lost in the system so that's good uh it's really good really really good
1: yeah refresh is king Ca- <laughs> yeah tell me about it yeah it, it really is okay so what as, as somebody who came from a real entrepreneurial background you know you grew your own business um in in london you were successful at that um and what were the major hurdles you had to come up, overcome in the public sector to, to really get this going so people don't
0: know what they don't know hmm. and again rewinding 9 years that that when tenders were being put out the whole notion of market engagement was slightly seen as um, a, as a potential conflict of interest. The fact you'd already mm. spoken to a company before a tender was going out might in some way influence the decision. And actually what we recognised was that by engaging with the market, you're going to understand what technologies are out there mm-hmm. in the first place. So that helps you... Look at your policy development and think, well, actually, if we understand what the, the technological horizons are, then are we making policy that's right for that? Um, but also you then you get an understanding of what you know what sort of fit or or type of company you think might be right for the the product or the service you need delivering. So an example is that when I was working on the GLOW programme, so for uh, viewers and listeners, GLOW is Scottish schools' um, intranet.
1: Uh-huh. And that's
0: been going around for about sort of you know, 16 years. And when I joined the government, one of the reasons I was brought in was to look at the tendering, retendering process. So lots of technical components, and how do we take it from one big contract, chunk it up into little ones. And looking at how the blogs service was being delivered uh which was on a wordpress platform the engagement um afternoon that we had to put forward around getting potential suppliers to look at this we had the usual big suppliers into the room but none of them really had wordpress capabilities and actually what i need to do is look at wordpress you know who were the the people who had the authority to uh take the core WordPress code and amend it. So it's about then understanding who in the market is best place to service the need, even though they might not be on the government list. Yeah. And so we, we found eight companies in the world that had the authority to change the core WordPress code. Two of them were in the UK and we had chats with them. And one of them, we ran a a, a quick quote tender, very quick procurement and one of them got it now if we had stuck to our usual, yeah. here's our list, we wouldn't have got that. No, and so, again, that market engagement piece is really important.
1: Fascinating. So, um, culturally, how was it for you moving from an entrepreneurial organization into a government body?
0: So, I, the whole culture piece, I think, is fascinating. Mm things aren't right or they're wrong they Mm -hmm. just are yeah it's true and so you know when you're thinking about the outcomes you're trying to achieve rather than outputs which everyone's which many people like to focus on and realizing that a a meeting isn't an outcome um that you know that sense of urgency was one that was was very different Mm. so I remember the first meeting I had and someone said by the way you know you're on a week's notice contract and I said really that's the most amount of certainty I've had in eight years yeah and you know a a completely different way of thinking about things and so you know there is an urgency you know you've got to win the business make the payroll when you're in a company but your salaries take, you know, you don't have to worry about that. And it's not just public mm-hmm. sector, but in a large organisation. Yeah, think
1: it's about. true. It's true.
0: And I think a lot of these things are not public versus private. They're actually large versus small.
1: Uh, I would totally agree with that. Yeah, I would.
0: Uh, and, and I saw that because I, right at the start of my career, I was on the grad programme at some um, Scottish Power in Glasgow. So got experience of what a corporate looked like. Um, and again, you know, moving from corporate to startup. So then back to large organization, uh, again, very different, different cultures and ways of working, but it comes back to this, you know, we had a vision around what we thought SIPTEC program uh, should look like. And I had a very accommodating boss and um, uh, who was, who was really good at just giving us the, the long leash to go and experiment and, and push this forward, which was great. So it couldn't be done yeah. without Colin Cook. Um, uh, and but we we had this vision of what needed to be achieved
1: mm.
0: and when you have a compelling mission vision value set then you, you believe in it people buy into it and it just takes time to get people to come around to it and it can be frustrating it doesn't mean to say that they're trying to be people are trying to be blocking in any way it's just they don't know what they don't know yep. And, of course, you get greeted with statements like, oh, but we've always done it this way, or, um, yeah, but the, 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 the rules say we, we shouldn't do it. And then you unpick that and say, can I just clarify, is that the rules, or is it the law? Mm. And we come into this place of, you know, what's procurement law, L-A-W, or procurement law? L O R E, uh, and one of the greatest learnings was you, know, you have laws, rules, and guidance. And actually, when you unpicked it, the laws were quite flexible. The rules were completely inflexible, and the guidance and you bear no resemblance to the law. So you know, so it's it's this journey you go on, and you want to take people on that journey. And I think that building up that external validation so one of the key things around. Working often in any public sector organisation is that they like external validation. So, does an industry body validate what you're wanting to do? Okay. Does is there is there somewhere else you've seen this that you can um, pull this together? And and so that's now in terms of I can talk a bit about the the, kind of the stuff I'm working on now in terms of the the CIFTEC Alliance, which is this global network. But you're then transforming the way government does stuff is hard Yeah, and you want to lean on in on folks who are doing the same sort of thing and that's why as a, a sort of community of practice for this is is so um is so important
1: well go on then tell us about what you are doing now and where this is going to lead well the
0: right from the start of civtech when we saw the opportunity at a national level of what the impact could be. Already we were thinking about, well, what might that look internationally? Mm. And as we started speaking with the other government teams around the world and saw them setting up their programs, there was always the opportunity to to, to as you saw them set up, you think what would happen? What could happen if you then joined those nodes up around the world? Mm. So how could we take a piece of technology that's in Brazil, might make that work in Lithuania? How could we adopt some policy in South Australia, such as the Office of the Chief Entrepreneur, and establish that in Scotland, as we have with, with Mark Logan? So once you start having these nodes being built all over the place because Governments are responding to disruption and they need their own in-house teams. So you have these these in-house teams being set up. You then join them up. And that's what we did for COP26. So we took this network, which we had started in March 2020, just at the end, just at the the, the beginning of lockdowns, Um, this community of practice. We meet still... And to this, this morning, I ran, you know, chaired another call, weekly call of folks around the world. And, you know, we discussed what's happening and I think we've learned any updates. So you've got this community of practice. So a classic example this morning, you've got an Egyptian team looking to do a pilot on autism and AI right. and, and how do we get the indicators in early around a childhood autism? It turns out that, South Australia has a minister for autism
1: uh-huh.
0: connection being made. Uh, you then have um, Estonia and the Accelerate Estonia team on the call, looking at what they're doing for drone technology. Oh, turns out that another country is exploring the same thing. So you have these links. And what you're doing is you're, you're, you're bringing folks together um, around... Um, you know what what possibility of technologies and so for COP what we did was we set up around a a global scale-up program so how could we leverage the network the know-how the expertise of all these groups around the world and bring them together for the benefit of people and the planet so then there's the opportunity of saying right how can we source surface and scale climate tech solutions for global public sector applications get them in front of government teams around the world in an accelerated access program over seven weeks, uh, a, a safari, we call it, Okay. introduced to different government teams, and then from there, present to Co- at COP26. And the result of that was that companies went on to win millions in terms of uh, contracts, not just within the teams, but because of the exposure and millions in terms of, of funding. And we ran that the same for COP27, And we're then looking to do the same for COP28 in UAE. So it's a way of getting government teams to work together because we need to be looking up and out, not down and in. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You must have, with these initiatives, saved so many millions in time, money, wasted efforts going down, you know, dead ends. procuring things that weren't right. I mean, you've, you've just created some brilliant shortcuts to get to where governments, countries uh, need to be, which is fantastic. Do, do you feel proud of your achievements?
0: Absolutely. But you... I should
1: say it's a team effort. Yes. Absolutely
0: yes. team effort. And we had a great team uh, when we set up um, and I had you know great directors who were able to, um, you know, to give us that space, you recognize mm. that actually if you're going to do things differently, then you need to create different conditions. yeah And the sort of stuff that you, you and I have talked about before in terms of the mission vision values and that whole supporting systems to ensure that you can live those values and achieve those outcomes that hit the, the vision and are driven by the mission. So, you know, having that team and then, uh, and then, I mean, no one can do it by themselves at all. No. And then, of course, you're reliant on really game public sector partners who are wanting to take risks and do yeah. things differently. But I, what really came out of this was then this whole sense of public entrepreneurship, how you can actually, you know, have that mindset of an entrepreneur. And deliver that within the public sector. You know, so the, the persistence to move forward, the resilience to take the flak, the urgency to get results and, and deploy that. And you know, that sense of value creation rather than value extraction.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's a very different sort of relationship than that transactional supplier, client, traditional way of working. And actually, if you look at partnerships and value creation you are going to deliver far more societal value you're going to deliver more jobs you're going to deliver more coffers for the taxpayer and so you know there's a win-win-win all around this yeah. for just doing things differently
1: now have the nhs adopted this methodology
0: yeah they've they've, they've done lots yes. of stuff around it so Did. um we had a number in the early days, number of things around data. But but interestingly, it's not just whether... Um, Sorry, uh,
1: right. people can probably hear my dogs. Children, oh, dogs, right. cats. Okay. We've had okay. The troops have
0: just returned. It's
1: all right, we have everything on the podcast. Teenagers um, pop in at times.
0: Great, <laughs> great. Well, it's a bit like our meetings, which are our, our weekly Alliance Corps meetings. These are family-friendly engagements. Yeah. And the... The have oh, friends around the world, and we've all seen each other's children grow up. And sometimes <laughs> they're there, and the the call now they're here, and then you know they they'll shortly be there. Um. So, uh, where were we, Rebecca? On that The NHS, train of so the NHS yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, so you, you you get examples where, uh, you can, you can look. So a challenge sponsor might present their problem and they take the company solution so far. But that initial prototyping is enough for that company then to go to another organization and say, hey, we're looking, we're working with the NHS, Scottish government, and we can, um, and so a a blue chip, another blue chip company might look at that as a reference saying, right, we'll take you on because you've been kind of checked by, um, by, by the government. And equally, you might have a solution coming in as a solution working in, in uh, for for one of the directorates around health and well being, and we trialed the system. wasn't quite right for us, but it went into the NHS right. and has skyrocketed in terms of you know kind of the, the opportunity for that that company. So you know, there's ways that actually the public sector can really help um, entrepreneurs. Uh, with their with their businesses, um, but you need these sort of structured programs. Uh, we I used to call you know refer to us being the scaffolding mm. that we put around uh, to ensure that innovation can really really take off.
1: Yeah, because it doesn't happen by accident. People think it's an accidental thing, yeah. but actually, like everything, it's a process.
0: It, it is a process, and that's not to say that you by by having a process you dig out the carve out the creativity
1: yeah.
0: it's yeah. just you need a bit of facilitation to make yeah. the magic happen
1: yeah absolutely um,
0: being open-minded with the fact that of unintended consequences and benefits that might come out of it and that was exactly what we had with the public entrepreneur program where we found that the companies were being put through an accelerated program where workshops on product, personal and business development. And those workshops on vision, vision, values or um, you know, going to market or presentations or communication were as, as valid mm. for the public sector teams as they were for the entrepreneurs. Yeah. So we then spotted this and said, oh, okay, well, maybe we should put a course around this. So we did something a bit more um, a bit more structured for CipTech two, and then and then by CivTech three we had had a course, and then um, um, CipTech four there was a, a proper program uh, rolled out, and then the pandemic happened, and so um, it got shelved the time being. But you know you don't know where some of these things will take
1: mm, you. last nice. you know.
0: So it's it's and that's the thing. It's being open minded about these things.
1: It really is. Okay, I've got an odd question for you that. It's easier for business owners to answer. I don't know how easy this is going to be for you to answer, Alex, but um, if this, let's take CivTech, okay, rather than the whole of the Scottish government. CivTech is is this sort of piece of work you've done. It has an identi- identity to it. If you were to describe its character or its personality, how would you describe it?
0: Well, if you take the mission statement, mm. that would describe a lot of how it, how it was. So when we set it up, and it's, and it's evolved slightly over the years, and, uh, and certainly up until 2019 when I was involved, but the mission was to drive daring and innovation in the public sector. Okay. By collaboratively solving challenges that make people's lives better. Okay and in doing so creating generations of sustainable businesses growth businesses so you know how do you describe the character yeah. well it was out there it was doing stuff it was you know frankly punching through walls it was it was making the impossible perceived impossible possible and that real sense of mission drove us sometimes at the wall but drove us to deliver stuff that we hadn't thought was possible. And yet we were convinced because we were convinced it was the thousand percent. It was the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, conviction is so important. Yeah. And if you come up against a team that's highly, you know, has high conviction over something versus the inertia of an organization, which is, Doing its job, but isn't perhaps as conv- of conviction of what they're doing. You know who's going to yeah. where the dial's going to tilt. Yeah, you do. And I don't talk about this about winning and losing because it's not that at all. But it's a just about nudging organisations to just to think and then behave differently. And if that achieves better outcomes for citizens, that's what we should be doing. So, you know, that's our our, our North Star, is does this achieve better outcomes for citizens?
1: Great. Where are you going next?
0: So it's interesting to see how the alliance is shaping up. It's been very informal, uh, and we've deliberately kept that sort of informal culture. And it's a group of Mm -hmm. friends around the world who volunteer their time to share best practice to support the companies within the ecosystems. I think the time now has come to formalize that and, and give that a bit more of a structure which makes it more of a thing, an entity to then grow and, and get funding. But uh, so that's one aspect. But I think that you know, with my new role within the economy directorate on entrepreneurship, I'm able to actually put into practice a lot of the stuff I have been putting into practice. So I shall qualify that, put into policy practice, Mm -hmm. the stuff that I have worked on, you know, been doing essentially since 2005. Yeah. And so that's the opportunity. And I think that, you know, if the vision is about making Scotland an entrepreneurial country, what does that mean? How do we actually make that happen? And And I think there's enough ingredients here to make that happen. We now just need to get on and do it. And, you know, there's all sorts of strategies out there, but strategy is worthless without the ability to deliver.
1: Uh, And that's where we focus on. Will you, and you may not be able to answer this question, will you have any input into education? Because I personally believe that entrepreneurship starts at nursery you know. So
0: there are touch points into education, okay. and I think that that's a really valid point. And I've had various conversations with with senior folk in the education sphere around this. And, and I'm pleased with the sort of noises one's getting around, yeah, we recognise this, there's it. something here. So I was
1: yeah. I was talking to my teenage daughter. She was doing business studies in S2, and they were the curriculum was about analyzing data, and they got her to analyze data about geese and their flight path. I went, what's that got to do with business? Surely the best data they could give you to analyze would be about customer service achievements, profit and loss, footfall you know, um looking at a graph of, of sales and costs. And I just thought there's there's something missing here.
0: Well I know and and you know as an impartial civil servant I I can't comment can't on possibly pa- comment, comment no. on some things. But no. I think there are some certainly some areas where we should be focusing more. Yeah. And okay. you know, define education in in, oh, the, so in the first broad. instance. It's so broad. And and i think you know well you 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 mentioned there this the whole sales thing i'm interested in that area because i think that scotland as a nation is a country that produces some amazing stuff
1: yeah but
0: are we really are we really a sales nation and there's a whole cultural piece in there mm. about Um, us being out there and actually you know Scots are often seen as we're you know we're sort of like sort of hiding up you know light under our bushel yeah it's 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 it's, we're not really wanting to be up and out there so if there was a magic wand that I could wave I think certainly it'd be looking at what is our skill set in that area